you guys really dove into into social media, and that's something that I consider myself low lying fruit for something like social media. Uh, if you could just explain how evolutionary we are, unfit we are to deal with the 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 absolute nonstop information coming in on something like like social media and technology. Yeah, so I mean the, the the sort of underlying theory for this, and and you know I, I'm not I, I I wouldn't be as bold as to suggest that this may end up being you know, in 20 years time we may have a different explanation, but at the moment the sort of general kind of theme is that we we have this sort of idea called a Dunbar number, and it's named after Robin Dunbar, and it's the it's the idea of our social group, and and there's been lots of sort of toing and froing about this, but it basically transpires that we we are sort of seem to be hardwired, and it links into a whole sort of sequence through the primates of having a social group of about 130 to about 150 people. Mm-hmm. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you are hearing this, you have once again to the consequence of Habit Podcast. This is your host, JT. As you can probably hear, I'm losing my voice. Not quite sure why, but listen, I am, I am stoked to get this, this, this interview out to you guys for a couple different reasons. One, I didn't think it would ever see the light of day. Not because it's not good, not because it's controversial. Uh, to be honest with you, I thought I lost it. I thought I didn't have the audio files anymore. I'm sitting in a hotel room. It is July 3rd. This episode is coming out on the 5th. And I found it. And I listened to it. And it was after listening to it, I'm even more excited that this thing is coming out. So, this week I'm joined by Professor Adam Hart. Adam is a scientist, he's a broadcaster, and he's an author. He wrote a book titled Unfit for Purpose, When Human Evolution Collides with the Modern World. And I read this one prior to the interview. Man, it's, ta- it's right up my alley. We're talking about our brains and how they're, how they're trying to play catch up to what's going on in our, in our modern world. So whether it be the amount of distractions that are out there, uh, things like social media, how our body, how our body processes uh, new foods around things like GMOs, how our how socially we interact with each other, especially when we talk about things like misinformation from our, our, our news media. I love this conversation and man, I'm just grateful that I, that I found it. If you're listening to this and you enjoy a high quality beer, I don't care what kind of beer it is. It could be a light beer. It could be an IPA. It could be stout porters, whatever it is. And I want to ask yourself, has my love of really good beer been the root cause of feeling like crap the next day? I'm not talking about completely hungry. Maybe just, maybe just a little under the weather. I got the solution. Check out athleticbrewing.com. These guys are making the finest quality craft beers out there. They just don't have that poison in them. So whether you're just trying to show up as a parent, as an employee at a sporting event, whatever it is, you just want to be clear-headed. Or maybe you're like me, you just want to be sober. Well, then do yourself a favor. Go to athleticbrewing.com. Use the promo code capital C-O-H-20, and you're going to get 20% off your first order. Without further ado, please welcome to the podcast, Professor Adam Hart. Uh, Adam, I appreciate you joining me. Hello, no, it's great to be here. Adam is the, the author of Unfit for Purpose, uh, When Human Evolution Collides with the Modern World. Uh, just give us a quick synopsis of, of what, what motivated you to write this book and, and what the purpose behind it was. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I got very interested in gut bacteria um, about five years ago and did a, a Radio 4 program uh, about it and then actually ended up writing a book um, looking at our relationship with bacteria. And one of the kind of things that came out of that was that we have this fabulous modern world 
Um, but actually, it's in, it's at odds with with the way that that our gut bacteria have evolved, mm-hmm. our, our microbiome, and the way that our immune system works, and everything is is working in a way that it evolved for. But of course, we're in a world that's very different. And and the ins and outs of some of that, and and some of the sort of um, the stories behind it, was really quite interesting. So. I started wondering whether we could apply that type of lens to a few other things and, and started looking about uh, looking to writing a book about stress, actually, um, which seemed quite appropriate at the time. Seems more appropriate now, yeah. um, given, given the, all the stresses right. that people are under at the moment. But actually, um, several people were writing some very excellent books about stress at the point. So I thought I can't really compete with those. It'll be too stressful. And then I started realizing that actually we, we can we can look at lots of aspects of our modern life, whether it's social media. Um, whether it's fake news, uh, sort of the way that we think about the future and plan. And, and actually, for many of these things, we can see echoes in our evolutionary past. So that really, in, in a nutshell, is what the book's about, looking at what those sort of echoes are and how they influence our, our world today, everything from you know, why we get fat to, um, to why we believe this sort of absolute nonsense that all of us buy into at some point or another, particularly on the internet. Yeah, I, you know, I tell you what I got from it too is, is – um, actually just having a little bit of empathy for ourselves at the same time, because you can get so wrapped up in these things, whether, whether it's your weight, whether it's your stress, uh, your social media, just the amount of time that you're, you're being distracted by things all around you. And you can get really down on yourself, uh, w- when you start looking at those things, especially individually. But when you take a, a, an aspect of it going, Hey, you know, m- maybe we're not really designed for th- the world that we're living in. I think it gives you a little more empathy and, and understanding of, of, what's going on and, and probably you can come at it at a different a different direction and when you start to try and figure out solutions behind uh, mitigating some of these things i think so and um you know the, the the publishers were very keen on kind of generating this idea of solutions and 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 the fact is of course we can't solve some of these issues very simply but by having an understanding of why we struggle with them um i think that's an important first st- step and i mean one of the chapters is about addiction for example and and there's um a, a sort of pathway that people have used to try and help people out of addictive situations whereby they actually take the evolutionary sort of background and they, they sort of take some time to explain to people, you know, this is, this is effectively what's happening in your brain. You know, this is, this is why you, you feel the way that you feel when you're playing a salt machine because of these stimuli. And, and for some people that, that sort of intellectualization of it has actually proved to be really useful in their treatment. Not for everyone, but but for some people, taking a step back and having a, a biological and evolutionary understanding of a situation has proved to be helpful. And I think, I mean, certainly for me, you know, with things like social media, um, which is both an amazing thing and a very negative thing, and, and sometimes in the same day, right, for the right, same person, right, right. I, I think having a sort of more of an understanding of what our social networks would have been, how our brains are wired has, has helped me, I think, deal with, deal with some of those sorts of pressures, because I I think it's very, you know, the modern world is very, very different. It's very different now from 20 years ago. When you think about sort of now and 2000 years ago or 20,000 years ago, it's a, it's a radically different place. And I I think we do need to sometimes be a little bit kinder to ourselves. Yeah. Let's start off with the diet side of things too, because that's, that's in the beginning of the book and you really dive deep into, into gut health and, and, um, you know, you, you tackle the thing of of, of like the caveman diet and it is that the way we're supposed to be living now. And I, yesterday I was sitting in a, in a, in a Walmart, you know, big chain grocery store here in the U S and I was looking around, it stopped. My, my, my wife was looking for something on a shelf and I looked around me and there wasn't a single thing that I saw that just kind of, that, that, that wasn't crap. And I thought about how we're, we're how inundated we are, uh, by junk, by, by just fat and, and, and salt and, and, and all these things. And then when you compare that to, 
to like a caveman diet and, and what they, what they were able to eat. It's no wonder we're looking, you know, we look the way that we look. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a concentration and, and actually it's a, it's a theme that develops in other areas of the book as well. It's this potency of the modern world. It's this concentration of things. So, I mean, we, we talked about social media just now, you know, that, that, that the sort of online world is incredibly potent and concentrated, but you see it in food. Um, I, I mentioned in the book that for, you know, basically a couple of bucks, you can walk down to a shop and you can buy, you know, it's not a great diet, but you can buy a big bag of sugar and a big block of lard right, and right, that's right. all the calories you're going to need for like three days. Um, every, everything now is, is very, very concentrated and we like to put things like cheese on stuff. Well, that's great. It's massively helped bone health, for example, but you, you can't go sticking a pound of cheese on everything you eat. Right. It's going to have inevitable consequences. And, and it's very tempting, I think. And, and I thought actually, before I started diving too deeply into it, that, that this sort of idea that we're famine adapted, right? We're actually, we're just good boy scouts, basically. That's the, the problem is we're not fat because we eat too much. We're just good metabolic boy scouts and, and we're constantly preparing for this famine and that's just a famine never comes. And it's, you know, that, well, actually that's not really supported, but when you look at all the evidence and the genetics and people have really gone into depth with this, it's fascinating because you can start to piece together stories of human evolution and migration around the planet. And you can find evidence for that sort of famine adaptive hypothesis in some people, but not in others. And, yeah. and it just, for me, you know, I mean, I enjoy writing about science and I enjoy learning about new science and kind of telling those stories. It was just a great way to start the book because, because it just brings together all these threads. You've got to talk about archeology span and human evolution and migration and, you know, modern diet and, and, you know, this whole idea of the caveman diet, the paleo diet. Well, how do we know what people ate back then? Well, it turns right. out you can do some really cool stuff with isotopes and you can work out seafood and protein and all this stuff. And yeah, just, it, it really sort of brings together a huge number of different things, which I found really interesting. Yeah, I, I did also. And, and you can tell that you tr just truly love science because there, there's a lot, of, I mean, a lot of this is just fact-based. These, these small things that I've been using since um, I would like to say I read it, but since I listened to the book, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just throwing out facts. I'm like, Hey, did you know two thirds uh, of, of people are lactose intolerant? And, and, and so my wife's like, where the hell are you learning these things? She has no <laughs> idea. I'm like, I'm, I'm picking up all these things or I was, I was talking about MS as an autoimmune, autoimmune, uh, reaction and, and, but all right, I digress. So what really, really got me about this book is, is so consequence of habit was started because I had to face some of my own, my own issues, my, my relationship with alcohol and some of the consequences that came along with that. So I, I quit that and all of a sudden things are, are a little bit better. And it really made me start to examine, uh, what happens in the brain when you have a dopamine hit? Like what are the, the pleasures that come along with that? And, and I think it's really relevant, not just in, in the, well, when we talk about the world of addiction, um, it's certainly not just things like drinking and alcohol and, uh, I'm sorry, uh, drugs, but it, it's all kinds of things. And, we, and when you were on modern, uh, modern wisdom, you guys really dove into, into social media. And that's something that I consider myself low lying fruit for something like social media. Uh, if you could just explain how evolutionary we are unfit we are to deal with the 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 absolute nonstop information coming in on something like like social media and technology 
Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the sort of underlying theory for this and, and you know, I, I'm not I, I, I wouldn't be as bold as to suggest that this may end up being in 20 years time. We may have a different explanation. But at the moment, the sort of general kind of theme is that we, we have this sort of idea called a Dunbar number and it's named after Robin Dunbar. And it's the it's the idea of our social group. And, and there's been lots of sort of toing and froing about this, but it basically transpires that we, we are sort of seem to be hardwired and it links into a whole sort of sequence through the primates of having a social group of about 130 to about 150 people. Mm-hmm. And um, Dunbar describes them as people that you could go up to in a bar and sit down and have a drink with without feeling embarrassed or having to excuse yourself or anything. You know, basically pretty decent acquaintances and friends. Right. And yeah, in the modern world, we can see lots of these patterns. It, it, the Dunbar number is remarkably robust. And actually, people that have criticized it have ended up going out and finding their own number and their own measure, and they'll come back with a different number. But that, that number is, is not orders of magnitude different. It's often, you know, or 300, or someone else said it was 420, and someone else said it was 180. Like, okay, that's twice as much, but we're still sort of in that zone. Now, when you flip onto social media, you can have acquaintances. And I mean, I I've, I've know lots of people through Twitter that I've never met in real life. You, you can easily end up with a network that you reasonably regularly engage with that far exceeds that and of course you can have a potential sort of social media universe i mean in some cases of millions people that have millions of twitter followers i seem also have social media managers right. that, that that isolate them from that but it's relatively relatively easy for for yeah, everyday people to end up with a very very large number of people that they can interact with now if you've got your Dunbar number in real life and your, your brain's hardwired for the real world, you know, that's how we evolved. And you've got all of these interactions. We're pretty good at those social interactions. Right? We're, we're very, very good at interacting socially. It's one of our, one of our downfalls as we've seen over the last year. Right. Um, you know, it, we're very good at doing that sort of thing. We are always learning online. So not only do we have this very large network that far exceeds any sort of evolutionary kind of ability for us to, to keep track of, but that network is also constantly shifting in terms of the rules of engagement. And as soon as we learn one platform, another platform comes along. It's really not that long ago that MySpace was the big game in right, town. And right. you know, then it was you know, Facebook came along and it's kind of dominated. But in, in the, 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 the sort of background, other things have come up. You know, Twitter's got a rules of its own. Instagram is is now the new kid on the block that everyone's into. But of course, that's not really anymore because now it's TikTok. And right, right. Um, yeah, but before you know it, you're trying to navigate a world not only where you have a huge number of potential connections far and above what what we're sort of evolved, if you'd like to keep track of. But we also have changing rules of engagement. And of course, as well as this virtual world, we've got the real world that we're still engaging with. And, and understanding how these two things interact, I think, is still a very much a, a, an open book. We, we don't really know that much about uh, about what happens when you sort of consolidate networks together. And then there's overlap. So you can end up with social sort of virtual social media relationships that then overlap slightly with your real world mm-hmm. relationship. And before you know it, we've gone from being a highly successful social primate with a very large brain that's exceptionally well um, evolved in order to be able to deal with social interactions and day-to-day nuance and body language and all that sort of stuff. We're very, very good at that. And suddenly we're thrown into this massive melting pot of a whole bunch of different rules that change. And, and I think it's, it's not surprising that, that, that we, we have difficulties with it. What I found quite interesting was that there's very, very early research into social networks um, within sort of six months of Facebook coming out, there are studies from the, the people in the Netherlands seem to really jump on this. And there are studies in the Netherlands looking at vulnerable teens, looking at the influence of people with um, depression and other things and how that works. You know, really, people are, are piling on. Immediately, their sort of alarm bells were ringing. But that was 14, 15 years ago. And we're still having the same conversations. And we still basically find the same pattern, which is that 
some people really don't get on with it and it causes all sorts of problems. Other people are fine with it. Some people can interact with it and, and then step away from it. And, you know, you mentioned alcohol earlier. In a, in a way, it sort of mirrors that, doesn't it? You know, some, some people are able to go and take a drink and it's fine. Other people never want to touch the stuff. Other people will drink a lot and give it up and other people can't. You know, it, it feels like it's, it has similar patterns to those sorts of addictions. And actually the stimulation that you can get from from likes and from from these sorts of interactions are are basically stimulating the same pathways in the brain as as any other kind of dopamine releases. So all of these things link together into a potentially quite toxic environment. But of course, the reality is it can also be an incredibly fabulous environment. You know, I've got a huge amount of of social media interactions and, and things. You know, it's 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 the two sides. But I think we are still we're still coming to terms with that. But I don't think, we, you know, you mentioned it earlier, and I don't think we should beat ourselves up about that because all of this has happened so quickly. Yeah. You know, 50, 15 years ago, we wouldn't be sitting here having a conversation or we wouldn't be sitting here on Zoom having a conversation for one thing, but we wouldn't be having a conversation about about sort of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram because they weren't there. You know, that's not a generation ago. That's, you know, basically a couple of half decent university courses and an interim job ago you know it's <laughs> right, right. it's not that long yeah so it's that rate of change and again i mean linking back to what we said earlier that concentration and potency i think of the modern world that speed and the potency just it blindsides us sometimes we're still learning to to adapt yeah i i had to step away from social media uh only only because you know I, it's funny i talked to somebody a couple of weeks ago um and he he said when, when i was made uh, God touched me. He said, excess, everything you're going to do, you're going to do in excess. So whether that was drinking for him, work, wh- whatever. And, and social media is kind of the same way, man. The, the, the little, the little dopamine hits that you get from, like you said, the likes, um, and to, to, so to run a podcast, to try and build a brand and then realize, Hey, I, I have a real issue with social media, which is, I, I guess it shouldn't be embarrassing. You know, I, I said to my wife, I go, I'm actually embarrassed by it. I, I'm, imba- I'm a 45-year-old man who, who's drawn to a stupid cell phone to make sure he's got hearts or thumbs up or something. It's ridiculous. It truly is ridiculous. But, you know, again, it goes back to, this just the way my brain is. You know, cut yourself a break. It's, it's science, man. Like, at the end of the day, yeah. it's kind of science. That, and you're not going to win. It's a really, really powerful, um, powerful stimulus for, for many people. And it's also, it's affirmation. Um, you know, we're a social species, right? We, we compare ourselves with others. And in many cases, we, we, you know, we want to, we want to either better ourselves. That, that would have been the same if we were sitting down napping flints, right? You'd have mm-hmm. been looking over thinking, oh, Johnny yeah. over there has got a fancy new technique, right? <laughs> there would always be that. I mean, that, and that's what drives human ingenuity and, and what drives our achievements but of course at the same time that affirmation is great when you're in a little group of 10 people that you've grown up with and you know and you know or maybe a group of 150 and maybe maybe you're done barring it out and you're sort of your sort of village group of, of people but once you throw yourself out into the world well for every three likes you get there's always going to be someone else that's got three million mm. now I can, I can remember i did a, a science project here in the uk and it was on um, it was on flying ants. So the the uh, every year we have ants that come out and they yeah, mate yep, in the yep. sky and they drop and make new colonies, right? And we were doing a big 
science project trying to get everyone in the country to, to tell us about where the ants were so that we could look at the coordination. A really cool project, actually. It worked really well. And we were we got like 10,000 hits in, in our little video in like an hour. So we were beating ourselves on a chest. Yeah, this is amazing. This is an amazing thing. And then, and then we got a real dose of reality because there was uh, some TV person here who'd gone on an interview show and had said some unkind words about someone or something. And, and I think within an hour, their, their little video had got like 18 million hits or yeah, something. Yeah. And, and you realize that that, that there's all, and they would have been looking at someone else and they would have gone, oh god they've got like 180 million there's always there's always this sort of looking up and that's one of the big problems with things like selfies and stuff um people are comparing themselves with with others and that's what drives a lot of the um a lot of the insecurity that comes with it and it's 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 a it's a remnant of our social behavior right our the thing that binds us together and has made us successful but it's also an achilles heel yeah the insecurity of it all it, it, and i think that's what scares scares parents the most, right? Cause it's, it's one yeah. thing like we can do it. You know, I can, I can recognize, Hey, uh, social media is not for me. But, but when you start getting your kids in, and then you look at the numbers of like death by despair over the past 20 years or, you know, it, or just the numbers from the time that social media really started to, to take hold, it's a scary thing. I mean, we can joke yeah. around about it, but, but it, it, uh, it scares the shit out of me to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, me too. You know, I'm a I'm a parent, and and you know, my kids, uh, my my eldest is kind of nine now, and, and wants to sort of start branching out these things, and you know, uses our phone to sort of phone their friends and all that sort of stuff, and and it's 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 scary because these are unknown waters. They're, they're waters that we're navigating ourselves. It's not like we can stand there and go, well, listen, don't worry about it. Because when I was nine, you know, I, I, I thought the same thing. You know, when I was nine, it didn't exist. So right. th- that is, I think, a, a big worry. I, I, there's there's a bit in the book where I say it's, it's, a ridicu- it's a ridiculous thing when you think about it that 20 years ago, the conversations we're having wouldn't even be thought of. But now we're seriously having sort of counseling and lessons in primary schools here about using devices that have been sparked by the fact that children have committed suicide. Mm. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, it's a sort of almost ridiculous thing to say how awful it is, but let, let, let's just say it. I mean, that is a genuinely dreadful state of affairs that we've got ourselves into, but we've got ourselves into it within 10 or 15 years, the last decade or so. That's, that's the speed of change. And I think that's, that's the big, the big thing that we struggle with um, and we struggle with it intellectually and societally and so on, but it's not really surprising because we, we deal with those things using our brain and our brain has, has evolved in a world. <laughs> I mean, yeah, things happen quickly in the real world, but there's stuff you have to do something about my hat. You know, my field is flooding. There's a yeah, right, tiger right, around the right, corner right. Or, or you need to think about it in a year's time. You know, maybe we'll grow some crops and you know, our brains will start to adapt towards those things. But massive societal changes in technology and the way we the the actual way that we interact socially with people that's that's not something that we've we've got we're not going to evolve ourselves out of this we're going to have to use our evolved structures our brain to think ourselves out of it and and i think until we really accept that and until we understand what it is that we're trying to think ourselves out of right we're a little bit stymie but of course by the time we work it out there'll be something, something. new you know we'll be i don't know holographically communicating with, yeah. <laughs> with each other. I don't know who knows what we'll be doing in 20 years time, but well, well, that's, that's, that's part of the scary part, right? If you look on how quick things are changing, I mean, I, I, I think back. So, so I have cameras, uh, set up my house. They're, they're connected to my phone. My, my garage door is connected to my phone or I'll walk through the airport and I'll just stop and I'll look around and, it is absolutely mind boggling in such a short period of time where, you know, I, I got my first cell phone. When I was 30 years old and 
you know, I, I wouldn't even think about just sitting on a, on a, on an electronic device. You know, you just, you, you people watch, but you look around now and there is not a person. I mean, if you are, you, there, there is a very small percentage of people that aren't just completely glued to their phone at all time. And as these things pick up, I can't imagine on how fast and how, you know, how good these scientists are at, at finding these, these brain hacks to get us hooked even more. And I think that's where the, I, I really hope that the the ethics behind technology, because we can now understand like this is not necessarily healthy. Our brains just aren't evolved enough to 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 even uh, you know figure these things out and understand what it's doing to us. Um, on an ethical standpoint, have have you had those discussions with other people? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. There is. So I found myself yesterday, I was scrolling through Facebook, which, which I, I more or less only use to sort of keep up with other people that generally post on it. And there's the inevitable kind of thing of like, you, you won't believe what such and such looks like now. And, and before you know it, you're, you're in there and, and you're about 15 of the way when one's through before you suddenly think like, what the, <laughs> what, what am I doing? This is, this is nonsense. I'm not even, and the thing is, I'm not even enjoying it and I'm not getting, I'm not getting any intellectual sort of nourishment from it. Right. And yet it is, there is that addictive sense of doing it. And, and of course that's, that's why, and I'm taking in those adverts and I'm speaking aloud and then suddenly these products are popping up and, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you can see, I can totally understand, for example, why, you know, there's a lot of conspiracy sort of theories around at the moment, but, but when you look at the way that we can tailor information to people, yeah, in the old days, I, 20 years ago, yeah, we, we, we would, you'd sit down and you'd watch the news, right? And there right. would be the news. And yeah, maybe 40 years ago, there'd be like one news anchor telling you that how, how the world is. Yeah, and now, I'm not even sure that the news that I'm getting is the same as the news that my wife's getting in the same house because, because of the way that we, we've, you know, we, we view things and because of the way that things are tailored to what we have. Well, it's, it's hardly surprising that people are struggling, for example, to cope with information. And I think that's one of, the big, one of the big ethical dilemmas which is clearly emerging now. Um, both, you know, on your side of the, the Atlantic and, and over here, you know, this is one of those rare things where actually uh, America's not necessarily, normally America leads and everyone else follows, but I think actually there's it's kind of right, right, at right, any right. given point, who knows who's leading in the, in the bullshit wars, <laughs> but, but it's, it's, it's something that really needs to really needs to be taken in hand. And it sort of is, but it's, the pace of it is a weird thing because we're talking about pace. The pace at which we're doing it isn't isn't fast enough, and and that I think is a major major issue. That's it'll be interesting to see how that all transpires in ten years' time. Yeah, I I, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to money, right? I mean, as far as moving forward is where the money is. Trying to get the genie back in the bottle that's certainly not a profitable yeah. thing, and uh, and and that's what scares me about about this. And you talk about misinformation is is we are inundated with so much information, the ability to have a logical, to, to come up with a conclusion in one way or the other seems fairly impossible these these days, right? So you, you're talking about the news, you know, there used to be where, where the th something like the facts, as much as you'd like to think, were presented, or at least even if they weren't the facts, they were presented to everyone. You know, the misinformation was, <laughs> yeah. was across the board. So everyone was misinformed and, and, it, and it made things a little more copacetic. Now with, with, with social media and, and we, we talked a little bit before we, we hit record, then you throw in a global pandemic and you, and you talk about things like stress and, and our ability to, to handle stress. And then the amount of 
well, we don't know information, whether it's misinformation or, or, or true information. That's, that's who's to say these days. And man, I, it is like the perfect storm. I think a pandemic mm. with, with social media scares the crap out of me. Yeah, it's it's doom scrolling, which right, is, which right. is the, the the word of the uh, the word of the year already. Um, but yeah, mi- mixed with the fact that that in an evolving or rapidly changing situation like the pandemic, which is underpinned by some fairly tricky science, and we're talking about the sciences of viruses, which are already pretty, pretty weird. Right. Um, on top of that, we have to understand our own biology and our own response to it. And then we have to understand epidemiology at a local scale, maybe even a national scale. But then we have to understand international globalized sort of economics as well. And all of that's then mixed with the economic situation of, of developing a virus plus protecting the economy. But we go, well, you don't need to protect the economy, protect lives. It's like, okay, so we're all going to be better <laughs> off if we're poor. And it's like, well, no. And it's like, so those two things are linked. You know, everyone agrees they're linked, but we're just not quite sure how we want to do it. When you throw all these things in, every one of those factors is like a life's work of uh, of, of academia, just to even roughly get your head around it. And and we're sort of expecting people to to go onto a new site and go, okay, yeah. So when am I going to get vaccinated? <laughs> how does yeah. it, well, we don't know. Yeah. Will, will the vaccine work in three years? Well, we, we don't know. Yeah. Will the virus mutate? We're not sure. Um, and suddenly, the sort of I think what it's done, because it's happening so quickly and people have access to all this information so readily, it's exposed the fact that actually a lot of what science is, is a sort of <laughs> best guesses quite frequently right, right, based right. on the evidence that's there, right? You know, and when the evidence changes, we change, we change the science and new evidence comes in and that's how science builds up. But normally you don't get to see that. Normally, by the time it sort of pops off the top and everyone's kind of more or less happy that that's the finished product and we might make a few changes, but this is how the solar system works. That's normally what we see, whereas what we're getting to see now is the whole horrible process of, of double backing and going off here and coming back and not being quite sure and then having to throw in some statistics. It's, it's remarkable. We had a daily briefing here for um, several months and they're kind of coming back now too. And you'll see graphs presented with error bars on and, and confidence intervals. And you'll see on the, on daily television, people having to engage with some statistics and there was a famous briefing here about three months ago that was just an absolute shit show it was dreadful every single graph was like an object lesson in how not to present data they got (laughs) spammed for it and the brilliant thing is the next one was superb and and it was great you could see these lessons being learned and everything it's complicated and yeah you're right when you link that through with with the ability to access all this information but not necessarily knowing what the pedigree of that information is all the agenda behind it that's a problem but when that's then on a site that's basically only really a vehicle to flog you things you know to, to put adverts to products on then you've got that other thing layered in and pretty soon yeah I, I i hear a lot of people saying oh they're not they're not reading the news about this anymore and and i i i totally get that <laughs> i totally get that it's almost like you just need a once a week kind of three sentence headline i i, I can see where because because once you dive down the rabbit hole oh. who knows where you end up with this stuff you, you end up surrounded by a stockpile of toilet paper and and canned <laughs> yeah. food that's that's where, where yeah. you go so yeah, that's where it all went yeah, right, right. <laughs> and, and that that is a um it is a tricky thing. So, and I agree, shutting off all of these things, you know, I grew up thinking like knowledge, you know, that's where it is. It's the key of knowing as much as you possibly can. But if you look at it as an evolutionary standpoint, uh, we're, we're not designed for that, right? I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, there was a time where if there was 
a flood a hundred miles away that that really wrecked, you know, killed. You may not even find out about it till long after the fact, and and so you're living your life pretty stress free for the most part. Yeah, I mean, you're dealing with what's in front of you, right? And and having to sort out immediate and sometimes potentially existential, but often slightly sub-existential threats. But but you've got to deal with what's in front of you and the people that are around you. The, the knowledge of the wider world was largely irrelevant. And our, our mental structures are very, very much geared towards us, our immediate kin and surroundings, and the immediate future. Um, there's a series of really... The, I was unsure how to finish the book, actually. And then I came across some really interesting research about, about how we view the future that just, just made a really nice sort of end point for it. Because when we, when we think about the future, it, it turns out that when we think about future versions of us, there's some really elegant psychological experiments that, that, that show this, where we think of us in the future as being someone else. It's like future us is not actually the same person as us. Mm, and so we tend to devalue future us. And we, we all do it all the time. It's like, you know, do you want, do, do you want to take a hit now or a hit later? Yeah, we'll take the hit later, right? right, right. We, we defer it because, because future us is almost as – if we go far enough in the future and make it sort of a trivial enough thing, future us is basically the same as everyone else. And in a way, that's a good thing, right, because we want to be looking out for everyone else. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, future us and everyone else is, is massively devalued compared to us and our immediate surroundings. That makes complete sense from an evolutionary perspective. We're a social organism. We've, we've evolved that way. It's part of our success. But when it comes to, to solving some of these problems, of course, that's a, a big issue. Um, we're going to need to think about future us. We're going to need to think about everyone else. And, and we're not we're not wired to do that. However, what's really interesting is you can make people value future them by just priming them before you ask them questions. If you give them tasks, you can just say, listen, future you, yeah, it's going to be you. It's just you in 20 years' time. They're going to have the same hopes and dreams and desires. And you, you can just layer in this stuff that kind of turns on our thinking part of our brain and, and makes us makes us realize. But if we act without that, we tend to we, te- we tend to fall to fall into type, mm. which is basically a, an animal. You know, we're 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 a beast, and yeah. and we 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 might look we we might not look it all the time, and we might wear nice clothes and sit in front of computer screens. But but ultimately, our brains are still operating on that level, and and we can we can change that. And I think that's a great bit of hope and optimism. We can, and we do change that. But we need to be aware of the fact that if we don't take those steps, we have a tendency to to slip back (laughs) into into our evolved way of thinking. We're going to take a pause right here to talk about the Patriot Fund. Patriot Fund is a 501c3 nonprofit benefiting the veteran community. So whether you're active duty, guard, reserve, a veteran, or the family of any of the above, these guys have been financially supporting other nonprofits to bring amazing things to these communities uh, to include Consequence of Habit. So please check them out at thepatriotfund.org. What's, Adam, what's, what's your thoughts on, 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 you know, we look at, or at least in my, my own brain, and again, this could just be misinformation, but I, I think of, of people of the past, or I think of somebody living a simple life without a lot of these, these constant distractions. It, um, and, and, and the word that comes to my, my, my mind is, is fulfillment, like somebody living a purposeful, fulfilled life, right? And just feeling at ease. And that could be complete BS. It could just be, that, you know, uh, something in my imagination. Uh, are we capable, in your opinion, to, to, to have those same, those same feelings with this constant distraction, with all of these things going on around us? Are we able to, to, to get to that place where we feel maybe a stillness in our, in our own mind, or is it just going to be a constant work to try and get there? 
I think I think we can, but I think you're right. I think it's a constant work. And when, when people have looked at, at sort of um, health and well-being and kind of satisfaction of life in, in different groups around the world, people that you would look at and think, well, they're living in complete poverty. This is awful. You know, they're they're. they're they're very happy, yeah, um, right, right. Yeah, and, and and that's not sort of said in a patronising way. You know, look at look at how happy they are. They, yeah, they yeah. genuinely have a satisfaction in life and, a, and an outlook on life that's very different. Um, for us to maintain that now, it feels like we have to work at it, and it feels like a strange thing, doesn't it? It's like in order to in order to de-stress, you, you have to work at de-stressing, mm-hmm. and, and you, you can almost sense in some of these narratives you, you read about sort of how to de-stress. There's a stress within it. It's sort of a, it builds up this idea that, that that it becomes stressful to de-stress, and and I think that's something we really need to we really need to take in hand because increasingly, particularly as now you know generations are getting older and we have more longitudinal sort of information about how the modern life is affecting people. One thing we can say for absolute sure is that stress is bad for us, and it may be bad for some people. Maybe particularly bad for some people. It may have a different effect. It may, it may be very difficult to measure, but we we know that being under this constant drip drip of stress is not good for us. Um, not good for us physically. Not good for us mentally. Not good for us emotionally. So we do need to do something about that, um, and that's going to need to be an active thing. But when when you think about the stresses now that we have, um, it, it's not. People go, how can it be less stressful now, right? You're in a comfortable house. Yeah, I don't have to worry about the rain coming down. I don't have to worry about hypothermia. Um, I don't really have to worry about food um, because I can afford to buy food. Although I do have to worry about what food I feed myself and my family because, as we said earlier, <laughs> so that does become a bit of a stress because there's a lot of junk out there. But that's that's sort of gettable or roundable, if you like. But there's a whole bunch of other stress. So, you know, my car insurance is due, my MOT, but I won't be able to do that like a vehicle sort of inspection, right, to make sure it's not going to run off the road um, but i can't do that because of the lockdown but i need to book it in in the right time in order to not be fined and then and then i've got you know my insurance will be due and then the house insurance and i'm going to change my mortgage and we want to build an extension so we've got to sort out that and build as an architect and planning and local permissions and of course there's also work and i've got about 300 exams i've got a market yeah all of these things and none of those things would be the case if i were living a very simple lifestyle yeah a friend of mine used to live in a, a cottage for about two or three years down by the sea in the middle of nowhere and it would be wonderful you'd go and visit for like a week or two weeks and there's no communications there or anything and uh, you know all you had to do was go and chop wood and go and fish and you know make food and sit down and drink wine and look at the sea and within about two or three days you're kind of forgetting all this stuff about insurance and stuff and then he'd sort of pipe up oh god yeah i better go and get my van sorted out or you know i better go and phone the landlord and make sure my rent's gone through and you realize that even when you try and get away from it you can't totally but that's what we need to do but of course, being able to do that becomes a it's effectively a privilege, right? It's a, it's, it's a privilege. In order to do things, you have to spend money. And you see some of these de-stressing spa, spa take a spa break and de-stress, just three thousand pounds, you know, <laughs> right, a week. Right, right. And and you think, okay, that's <laughs> not really going to be for me. So I think I think we all have to find our own way, and we have to find our own our own mechanisms for doing that. And I think again, that's something that that we're learning, and we don't really have a rule book for because. We, we haven't had a recent history of people working out how we do this. We're all sort of working it out in our own way. And, and of course, the stresses are constantly changing. You know, it's middle of a pandemic here. The kids can't go to school. We've got to work at home. You know, all of these things change. And I guess the key point is these things will always change. Yeah. Maybe what we have to realize in the modern world is that we are in a massively changing, fluid, dynamic world. We can't work out a strategy to deal with X, Y, and Z in front of us, but we can 
work out a wider strategy that sort of lets X, Y, and Z float by, but we understand how to deal with the, the bigger picture. I think that's maybe what we what we need to do, but but we're not there yet. Yeah. <clears throat> when I was trying to figure out what I was writing down questions uh, for, for for this interview, and I and I had this thought of like if if everything stopped right now, technology stopped evolving, our diets, the the the, the you know, we stopped making new types of grain and GMOs and, and all these things. How long would it take evolutionary to, to, to all of a sudden be like, all right, we've changed enough. But it's really a pointless question because that's not going to happen, right? So so what's what's the difference? And, you know, when you talk about stress and we can get into the fight or flight and things like cortisol, uh, in, at, when I first think about it, I think it'd be way more stressful to be living as a caveman, not knowing if you're going to be eaten by a tiger or, or you're going to get a cut and it's going to be infected and you're going to die. And, and uh, yet again, in my own mind, this person's probably a lot less stressed out than I am. And then in the book, you, you, you go through an example of a, of a modern day, you know, starting off at, at 630 in the morning, worried that your alarm's not going to go off at seven because there's something going on with your phone. And then from there, you start going through the day. And, and, you know, you mentioned things like diet. Hey, are we eating something that, that is coming from a farmer or, or, or that, that is using, you know, pesticides that's killing the planet? And it is nonstop. And especially in today's culture, right? I mean, there's enough people that, that are, are, are on their soapbox telling you whatever you're doing is wrong. You know, you're eating meat, you're not eating meat, you're, you know, you're on social media where you stand politically, where you stand as far as, hey, should the kids be in school with the virus going on? And, uh, and you're right, which leads into a perfect thing where they're going to charge $3,000 to de-stress, which is just, I mean, we're insane. Just so you know. And there's this, there's this bizarre thing as well, isn't there? Where, where, where there's an expectation that you'll have an opinion on something. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, someone will ask you, what do you think of this? And it's like the, the reality, the actual answer to that is I've never really thought about it before. And if I was to think about it now, it's based on having no real knowledge. However, that's not really how it works anymore, is it? So no. suddenly you have to have opinions on everything. And then, and then when you come out with something, it's, it's impossible really, certainly on social media to come out with something flippant uh, regress it and take it back right suddenly suddenly it's it's there's a guy here who, who made a tweet about um t- teaching his daughter how to open a can of beans and something and it it suddenly went that this guy was was a sort of the, the, the sort of worst kind of abuser and all this stuff and the guy suspended his twitter account and you just think like it was just a humorous it, it was an right. attempt at humor right. that's gone wrong in the old days you know you'd be down the pub you'd have had a few beers you'd talk basically a load of crap no one will be recording it and actually that process was very important because quite often that talking a load of crap among your friends and peers in a non-recorded way was how opinions actually formed for good or bad but it was a it was a way of, of doing that many people now i think try to use social media as a way of doing that you know send up a flag and see see what happens but the problem is sometimes that goes horribly wrong and yes. yeah you can't just go oh hang on a minute i'll just go and get another drink and we'll all forget that i just said that you know this particular <laughs> this particular ter- terrible thing and i think that's yeah that's a big problem we, we we have to have an opinion on things we're supposed to be informed about stuff i see it all the time this this idea of information one of the biggest problems is not is not getting hold of information it's understanding what information is good and what information is bad and it's just it's very difficult. You know, I talk about in the book about things like halo effects and so on. Um, everything looks right. This is why people click on phishing emails and all that stuff, right? Yeah, if right. something looks the part, yeah. we, we believe it. We 
children believe confident people over non-confident people. They can pick up at a very, very early age. There's really cool psychological experiments on this. They can pick up on an early age if someone is lying, but they can also pick up on a really early age. If someone's presenting it confidently enough, they go along with it. You know, we we have this sort of gullibility built into us that's very, very easy. When you're a kid, you, you need to be gullible, right? Yeah. You need to believe what you're being told or you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> so don't touch that. That'll kill you. Don't do this. That'll... But yeah, that's kind of a hangover, I think, into adulthood as well, which links into this this whole thing and builds up this maelstrom of, of just potential stresses that that simply didn't exist 50 years ago or even 15 years ago, really. So is smartphone no- has a lot to answer for. Uh, but man, I love it, I, nonetheless, I, this this is a social <laughs> experiment that that I'm afraid is going uh, is going awry, and and the 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 outcome is probably not going to be a positive thing because it's it is it is a drug. I mean, it, it's like they're handing out addictive drugs. <laughs> I you know to the millions a, a day, and we're giving them to our kids, and, and I'm just as guilty. You know, I, I have. You know, you, you think about parenting now, and and there's a lot of parents now, to, myself included, who would think, oh, I don't even know what I would do if it wasn't for an iPad or 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 not, yeah. you know, like hand them an iPhone just to, to take up time. And uh, I have I have a, a son who's 12, and, and I'll be I'll be out with him playing, and we'll be on a skateboard or a bike or or, or playing frisbee or, or or something. And he goes, God, you're a you're good at uh, at a bunch of different things. Like, how, like, how did you learn all these things? I said, well, we didn't have cell phones. Like, you, yeah. I mean, you know, like, and that's what I'm really afraid of is is these these some of these skills that you inherently learn as a kid through boredom. You know, that process of being bored and then just building forts or doing whatever you're doing. That that is that that's going to be gone. You know, and that that's just yeah. a thought. I think you're right, and I, I think there's this. I don't see it so much now, but I can remember like five years ago or so, there was this idea that, that it's okay because kids are learning different skills and they're learning skills that are more, uh, you know, more adapted for the modern world. So they so suddenly every kid was going to be some genius programmer and coder and stuff simply by virtue of, you know, watching Peppa Pig on their phone at the age of four. <laughs> and it never really kind of rang true. Um, but the, the, but the reason is it's, it's so, it's so easy, right? We are, we we like the path of least resistance, and so sitting down in a warm place and watching something that sort of you know, basically shuts you down and kind of zonks you out a little bit. It's it's. I think addiction is probably the right word. I'm sure that that you know addict, addiction biologists would would perhaps make an argument over whether it is or it isn't. But we know what we mean, right? It's behaviorally definitely habit forming yeah. <laughs> to, to be doing that, and you can see how how well children do it. You know, I mean, I have a a two and a half year old at the moment. And if you, if, if you give him a phone, he, he will scroll through stuff and he's not been taught that right? this is very intuitive how to use these devices. And you can see how engaging they are for, for young children. Same with, same with the older children. They, they are engaging. You have to, you, I think we do have to limit those things because you're right. They're missing out on a whole bunch of stuff. But that said, I can remember when I was young, we got a computer, one of those old cartridge games. Sure. Yep, 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 yep. Sport thing with two right. crappy joysticks and a little fire button mm-hmm. and crosses moving around and stuff. And I can remember spending a whole weekend just inside in front of the telly playing this amazing game. But the thing is, the game was so ultimately rubbish that it didn't hold your attention for very long. And I think that's that's the difference now is that stuff is so cool that it it's, it grabs you. It, it, and 
It's just, you can. I mean, I, I I don't game. I I don't really play computer games, but but I can I can totally get why people can end up spending you know the whole weekend just gone just oh, yeah, you, playing them because you see them, they're incredible. You know, it's it it's is, a more rich experience than life in some cases. It truly is. I mean, it is a virtual reality. I'll walk downstairs and my, and my son's playing a game, and I'll jump on for what I think is five minutes, and and then forty five minutes has passed, and my you know my wife's yelling, "Hey, can you get off the video game?" Um, yeah. It is. It is. Come uh, play frisbee. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and I hate to think that I'm just this, the 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 old man saying, "Hey, when I was a kid, you know, we did this." And and maybe I am, but um, I, I I do think there is something to be said. And and you you mentioned the the path of least resistance, and I think that's what I what a lot of us and, and this isn't just kids. This is humans in general and adults that that we're we're missing struggle. We're missing that that. Um, Things are if things are easy all the time, then we don't we never have that that sense of fulfillment when when we've achieved something and you have that period when you've you've reached a goal because we're just constantly. Uh, I, I I don't know if you ever seen mm. the, the movie Wally. It's an old Disney yeah. movie, and and they're in a spaceship, and everyone's everyone's fat, right? Everyone's just sitting in their chairs, and, and robots are delivering food, and and man, I kind of I feel like that's we're going to look back at that movie and go, man, that was dead on. Yeah. That was remarkably prescient. Yeah, right. yeah, I think um, I think I think you're right. It's um, yeah. Uh, I lost my train of thought there a minute. Hang yeah, on, yeah. you were saying what were we talking about? The um, a struggle whether whether yes, that, yeah. So um, but there's also the fact that if you haven't, if you're not used to struggle, or you haven't had to kind of do some of those things, do you lose the ability to be able to do that at all? And you know, there's a big thing in education over here at the moment about resilience and and the idea that that you know people and it's very ill defined. It basically seems to be a sort of a kind of grit. You know, people have a sort of stick at it and perseverance and sort of all lumped in together, and it's quite ill formed and causes a lot of controversy when people discuss it. But at its heart is is the reality that life can be quite tough and you have to learn how to deal with it. And if you haven't learned how to deal with it when you get to a certain age, it's like learning anything. I guess it becomes harder and harder mm. <laughs> to, to pick up these things. And I, I, it can throw you. And then life has so many different things and it's always changing. You know, I've got about 15 new things I've got to log on to now because the kids have, you know, got to be taught online and then come up with another God knows how many passwords that I'll forget. Yeah. I, I'm basically, I've, I've given up on passwords Me now. I've basically just, you know, forgotten the password and get sent a new one. And it's all of these new, all of these new things, but you just, you just have to cope with it. But I can totally see how, and I totally get how people can just become overwhelmed by these things. And it's that's not what modern life's supposed to be about, no. is it? We're supposed to be improving the world to make it a better place for us. And overall, of course we have. I mean, medicine's incredible. Technology is wonderful. Our, we don't have to struggle for food, most of us. That's fabulous. Yeah, actually, really, we've got a lot of it covered. The big problem is around the edges. Mm. <laughs> There's a few things that need to be kind of hemmed in a little bit and sorted out. And I think those are the bits that we're we struggle with and that's the bit that we have to learn and we have to adapt we're not going to evolve our way out of this you know agriculture came along and we had a few thousand years to sort it out and you can see evolutionary changes actual cranial changes you can see changes in the way that we digest our food that's great those changes were massively rapid compared to what had gone before, but it took five, 6,000 years or whatever. We're talking about five years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not going to yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. Right. And also, of course, um, there's no real evolutionary change and it's really going to happen if, if it influences how many children you have. Mm. Um, and if, it's gene- if, there's a gene- if there's a genetic basis to dealing with social media and those genes cause you to have more children, then okay, maybe. But 
the reality is none of those links are really going to be made. Where yeah. we we can't look to evolution. Evolution may have got us into this to a certain extent, but we can't look to it to to get us out. We're going to need to um, we're going to need to use our heads for that. Yeah, and I, I, that leads me to the next question: um, is is what. You, you, you alluded to it a little bit, but what is what is your outlook on, on the scientific side of, of looking at the totality? Because w- within the book, you, you go through a bunch of different things. You know, we talk about stress. We talk about uh, the social media, the the, the uh, addiction, uh, gut health. Uh, overall, I mean, what's your outlook in the direction or what are some of the, the big changes that are going to need to be made to, to, to make this sustainable? Because, you know, it, it's easy to go down the rabbit hole of going – we're we're this is like a tr- a train wreck happening in slow motion i suspect that over the next sort of 50 years or so i think diet is going to be going to be a major a major factor um and it's going to be down to both health as we have a greater understanding but also as, as younger people come through and we can we can sort of affect what people do more but i think it's also going to come down to production right we're going to have we're going to be we're going to need to produce food in different ways and and do things differently and i think we will and it'll almost be a case of, of trying to restart that and i think that the days of I wouldn't say that. I, I hope junk food isn't like numbered. Right? I like to go and get get a burger and chips every so often. But there's no reason why a burger and chips doesn't need to be junk food, right? It can right, be really, right, right. really healthy and good. It doesn't need to be done. So I, I suspect that that we will see dietary changes, largely linked to economics, the economics of health. If if we were all ate better um, and lost a bit of weight, we we would relieve the cost and the burden of those things on, on health services around the world. And that's going to be an issue. And, and then there's food production. So I think, I think we will see some big changes in that. I think we're going to see some changes in the way we interact with technology, of course, but if we look back, those changes are going to be amazing and fantastic. And they're probably going to have even more um, issues associated with them. Mm. So, I mean, people are talking about sort of machine human interfaces and, uh, direct. I mean, there's a there's a guy here. He's always, for, for years now been sort of wired up and and sort of doing stuff, and, and it's all very exciting. And there's going to be these sort of you know very immersive experiences. And and yes, that is incredibly cool. But with that is going to come a huge, a huge amount of extra problems. It's immersive enough as it is without it becoming sort of almost literally immersive and holographic or even directly into our brains. You know, that's that's a scary thing. But yeah. also like how cool yeah right, <laughs> that's, right, right. that's the problem right yeah. but, but we're going to need we're going to need to we're really going to need to start understanding how those things work out um yeah we, we talked about sort of fake news and things i think that that's going to be a, an ongoing problem i'm not sure we're ever going to get truly to the bottom of it but at least at least there's enough of a a push now for people to start understanding that it's a problem um, I suspect within education, we're going to start seeing, and this isn't going to happen quickly. It's going to be more of a generational thing, but we're going to start seeing quite explicit education on how we assess information sources on the idea of a gender-based you know, news and all of this kind of stuff. So I think, I think we will see those sorts of things. And I, I, I think the, the whole gut bacteria sort of our back, the, the influence of our microbiota and microbiomes on our health that that is an incredibly exciting field of medicine and has been for the last sort of decade but for the last five years or so it's just been accelerating um and that's going to be a, a major a major step forward i think as we start to understand sort of inflammatory diseases and, yeah. and links and stuff so i think i'm, I'm optimistic but but I, i'm not sure we're going to have some what we really kind of almost need is a sort of holistic way of kind of looking at things and sort of telling people to look after themselves and so on. And, and most of the ways that we've come about to do that um, 
tend to be a bit sort of uh, how, how best to put this um, a little bit airy fairy and a little bit kind of like mystical or, or sort of pseudo sort of shamanistic kind of vibe, which actually, if you were to follow it, for many people is is great but for other people is alienating and i think we're going to need to find do we need to find our own way or can we find a sort of a sort of a general path to to, to wellness i suspect we're all going to have to find our own our own path and, and whatever works you know it would be great if, if you've got three thousand pounds and you want to go on a weekend spa <laughs> retreat every so often and that works for you brilliant if if sitting in a pyramid with a crystal on the top and yeah. an incense burning if that works for you brilliant if yeah. going out for a walk works i mean there's a big narrative at the moment with lockdown about engaging with nature um being out in the outside you know that's really important for some people and yeah, but I doubt for anyone it's going to be sitting in front of their phone, doom scrolling through the news. <laughs> I can't imagine that's that, that's going to be the, the no. way forward. But we're all going to need to find our own way forward at some point. Yeah, I, and it's it's funny you say that because uh, you know we the big thing now is is all the different meditation apps and and there's so many. It, again, it's ironic, just like you're saying, we're giving kids. Not only are we giving it to them, they're they're being forced to be on devices that are also causing suicide in other kids later on in life and. Um, so we're using our phones, right? We're using them for, for meditation apps. And, you know, the amount of people I've talked to, I say, hey, well, have you tried meditating? And they go, yeah, I, I can't follow my breath for more than 10 seconds, you know, because a lot of these things, it's, it's, it's following your breath. And it's no wonder. I mean, we are literally, our brains are bouncing nonstop, yeah. right? So it, my, my, I was... Uh, I was having a conversation and, and my, my son overheard it and we're, I was just going over schedule, like what needs to be done this week? We get things like you've mentioned, Hey, I got to pay this bill. We got to make sure we're, we're calling this doctor. We're doing all these different things. And, and, and my son turns in and he says, man, being an adult is hard. I go, yeah, it really, it really is. Yeah. It is a nonstop, a nonstop thing. So, so to say, I'm going to sit here for the next 20 minutes and only follow my breath. Uh, I mean, that seems that seems like a, a a monumental kind of task. So I think you're right. If, if whatever works for you, but we we have to find an outlet that that doesn't include um, waiting for for the next audible tone that lets you know that somebody gave you a thumbs up. You know, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I've started now um, partly because my phone's battery is going to the end of its life, so it needs charging every two minutes, and the lead doesn't fit properly right, and right, stuff. Right. So, so I've ended up spending less time with my phone and one of the things that's been a real advantage to that over the last sort of few weeks is i've started watching films and so on without like having imdb a trivia open (laughs) and it's like oh that's what that guy was in it's always like gray's anatomy or something you know it's always always, you basically see someone oh they were in gray's anatomy right (laughs) Uh, but but you you scroll through and before you know it you've gone down a load of rabbit holes and you've discovered all this stuff and it's really it's quite at the time it's really quite sort of enjoyable right but you, you totally missed the film and you're not really watching it. And mm. I've stopped doing that now. And, and actually that's been, for me, that's been a real, that's been really good because I can sit and watch something and enjoy it and enjoy it for what it is rather yes. than the rabbit holes it sends me on. It was almost like I was using films as a kind of stimulus to go and find more stuff out, right, you know, right, like some right. kind of information junkie. And I'm going to go and get my next fix. And, and, and that, that I think has been quite useful for me. Um, but yeah, we've all got to, we've all got to find our own way because w- w- one thing's for sure. It's, I don't think it's going to get any less stressful yeah. <laughs> over the next, over the next decade. Adam, I really appreciate your time. I, I, I think like, like I mentioned in the beginning, the, 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 the most important thing I got from your book is, 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 is the facts of, of, Hey, we're, we're not, 
necessarily designed for the world that we're living in. But knowing that I think helps along the way of, of taking a step back and go, Hey, all right, I, I, I can spot the fact that I'm not I'm not designed for this and, and I can start to do things to, to, to help me navigate this, uh, th- this process. Because like you said, I mean, things are moving so fast. I'm, um, it's going to be, it's going to be unreal to see where we are 50 years from now. Yeah. Um, and, and scary and cool at the same time. Uh, but with that said, you know, I really encourage everyone to check out your book, uh, unfit for purpose. Um, I really appreciate you spending the time coming on here and, and, and discussing this. And, and, uh, I don't know if you have any, any, any closing thoughts on things or anything else you want to cover. No, not really. Just, um, I mean, obviously, the, the sort of title of the book is slightly playful because clearly we are very fit for purpose. We've we've done pretty well for ourselves as a species, yeah. and and I think sometimes it's important to step back and kind of appreciate how incredible we are. Yeah. I mean, we, <laughs> remarkable things that we can achieve, um, but around the edges there are these there are these problems, and they're not going away without us fixing them. And I think I think that's the important thing is that. You know things like things like diet and health and well-being and gut bacteria and stress and and all of these sorts of things. They're they're in our control if we want to, but we have to understand the problem. We have to realize that that yeah they they need to be. We, we do need to fix them. <laughs> we need to we need to take them seriously, um, or, or they're gonna they're gonna start, they're gonna erode away all the benefits that we have yeah. with this amazing modern lifestyle if we can't appreciate it because we're too stressed or we're too we're too consumed in our own little bubble. You know, if 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 we can just break out of that mindset, we can actually really take advantage of the incredible world that we've that we've constructed, and of course save it for future generations, which yeah. is another major issue yeah, <laughs> which yeah. we there's which that. we need to fix. <laughs> right, right, there's that. Uh, <laughs> all right all right so, uh i really appreciate you coming on um where Thank where, where yeah where where can people find you where can people where your, your address where can they find i'm joking where where can they find you on like twitter and 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 oh cool yeah um uh so adam Hart science is on twitter um so yeah i tweet from that quite frequently um there's also an instagram account which i don't use so often because i'm trying to trying to <laughs> cut down on <laughs> on social media but yeah I'm, I'm quite active on twitter um and the book can be found on on all the normal um all the normal places but i guess we can make the seem to be richest man ever um, even richer because it is also on amazon but uh, <laughs> and i think there, there's an audio book as well which i believe is out there is um, around about to. Two. Yeah, yeah that's right all right great hey i appreciate it and and we're, we'll be looking forward to uh, uh your next book thank you all right take care cheers everybody that's a wrap like always thanks again for checking us out this show is brought to you by the team here at consequence of habit and is an arm of our 501c3 nonprofit. The show is produced and edited by the one and only Anthony Palmer. It is part of the Palm Tree Pod Company network of podcasts. That's it. I'll catch you guys next week.